Purple, get ready to roll indeed. This is College and Kimball. I'm your host, Jeff Burkhardt, joined as always by Alex Spett, Dustin Nutter, and Clint Wilson. Before we dive into this week's episode, do podcast things for us. Go ahead, subscribe on whatever your preferred app is. Give us a rating and a review. And if you haven't had a chance to already, go ahead and follow us on Twitter. It is college underscore Kimball. All right, boys and girls, Farmageddon 2021 is upon us. Got a bit of an anxiety bowl coming up for both squads. <laughs> Some obviously Kansas State wanting to avoid the three and st- or excuse me, the zero and three start rather in Big 12 play. Iowa State on the flip side of the coin, obviously was talked about in in terms of being a dark horse Big 12 title contender, dark horse playoff contender. They've already got two losses on the on the ledger right now, and they're making arguably the, their toughest road trip to date uh, game set to come to Manhattan. So a lot of things uh, forthcoming this Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Now, before we dive into that, though, got to check with you guys first. Last week was a bye week. We had fun doing the Q&A. We got quite a few downloads on that. Glad to see that everybody was still uh, engaged with us in that respect. Guys, how did you enjoy your bye weeks? Well, I just finished doing our uh, sweet potato harvest at work and started on our hemp harvest. So, you know, I just got home and had some beers and relaxed. I don't even remember what I did this weekend. <laughs> I did not have to work all weekend, so that was nice. That's uh, Alex Beth, father of three right there, clearly uh, remembering everything. Our soccer yeah, my, uh, my my wife's birthday was actually last week, so uh, we went out with she. She has a twin sister, so we went out to uh, Red Crow Brewery in Olathe, oh. and uh, yeah, Iowa Penn State was on, so I was able to catch the tail end of that. But otherwise, I mean, relatively football free week. Yeah, we didn't miss much as far as uh, Sunday night football goes in that in that sense. Uh, this was the first Saturday I've actually had a chance to watch any games for like a sustained period of time and it was honestly widely regarded as the best Saturday not just this season but really going back a couple of years we had crazy endings obviously with with Texas gagging the 38 point whatever lead they had against Oklahoma and Red River you had Ole Miss and Arkansas going down to the gun Uh, Iowa Penn State I'll admit, Nutter, that was the one that I didn't uh, pay much attention to because once Penn State got up by 10 points, I figured that was pretty well co- uh, pretty well cooked. Uh, but, you know, that I- that prolific Iowa offense, always uh, good for a couple of late touchdowns, as we know. And then, of course, the nightcaps, you had really a- amazing, exceptional environments at Kyle Field and-, and in Memorial Stadium up in Lincoln. It was great to see just jacked crowds, uh, albeit from Big 12 defectors, but couple of awesome games awesome environments and really just again a, a great saturday to take in football um i was fortunate enough my wife's mom was in, was in from out of town and they were up in lawrence with her sister so i got the house to myself and i'm not going to brag too much about that uh, but i did thoroughly enjoy just getting a chance to kick back and watch some really great college football last saturday and and hopefully we'll have a good game to talk about uh, next week in the, in the recap as K-State again gets set to host Iowa State this coming Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. And let's go ahead and dive into things with the clones here. 
as far as the schedule goes, what they've played, Sagarin has them as the 66th ranked uh, in terms of difficulty. Wins for Iowa State against 3-2 and two Northern Iowa, which is a 1AA team. 0-5 UNLV, which is arguably the worst team in, in the uh, worst team in college football and the worst team in the Mountain West, and then you have a win against one and four Kansas, which is a, a play away from being 0 and five and losing to a one double A themselves. So those are your three wins for the clones, and then the losses. I will say you do have to give Iowa State credit in this since the losses do look good, and that you lose to now second ranked Iowa, who is six and zero on the young season, and Baylor, which is five and one this year, not currently ranked, but will have a good shot to jump into the polls if they happen to bump off BYU this coming Saturday, but quality losses for Iowa state. But I I will say, uh, I got to put it out there in that sense. What do you guys think? Do we know anything about this version of Iowa state or is the jury still out on how good or middling this team is going to be? Kind of feels like early season Baylor, honestly. Like we just, you know, they've beat bad teams and they've lost to good teams. Like this will probably be their best litmus test and it's halfway through the season. So, I mean, you know, I, I guess, you know, it, some somewhat could probably same. The same could probably somewhat be said for K-State. But no, I don't know how much we truly know about Iowa State yet. Yeah, I haven't watched them a ton this year, so I couldn't really say. And as far, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say it's it's difficult because you were going over their wins and losses, and I'm like, you know, obviously I think we have better wins than they do, but it's, you know, the two teams we played that are good teams, we didn't look all that good against them, and um, I didn't watch too much of, uh, I didn't catch any of the Baylor-Iowa State game except for uh, me and Clint caught, like, the last minute couple minutes of it going into the Oklahoma state game. But yeah, it's, it's tough to say. Um, we have like the, the, the shadow of last season hanging over us. I feel like, so anytime we lose two games in a row, that shadow just looks really bad. I feel like they're kind of the opposite. They may be, you know, you think, okay, well, a couple of, couple of tough losses to get against some really good teams. So maybe not quite, um, as down on them just because that they were pretty good last year. So hard to say. And I do want to just briefly touch on their losses here. So Iowa got them in Ames 27 to 17 was the final in that game. (laughs) And you'll, you'll notice there's kind of a couple of common denominators here. Iowa state almost doubles up on Iowa in terms of yards, 339 to 173. They just totally sat on Iowa's offense. They out, uh, so they outgained them significantly. They almost double up on them in first downs, 21 to 11 in favor of Iowa State. Now the big difference in this one, obviously, Iowa State, four giveaways, Iowa, zero. So that's how you end up losing a game by double digits on your home field when you so drastically outplay your opposition. And then the Baylor game in Waco, that, that was 31 to 29 was the final on that. The, uh, the Bears end up thwarting a two-point attempt in the, in the waning moments of the game to preserve that two-point win. But again, same kind of story here. 
Iowa State outgains Baylor 479 to 282, 27 to 15 edge in the first down department. Turnovers were even. It's it's just really bizarre when you, you again, you're almost plus 200 in the yardage department. And to also do what they did to Baylor in the second half of that game where they forced Baylor into fumble, punt, 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 field goal. And then they're not able to really do anything. And this game was never really drastically out of hand. The fact that Iowa State failed to win it is, again, it's just, it kind of defies logic here. But so those are your two losses for the clones. Uh, And personnel-wise, we know Iowa State brought back damn near everybody from last year's squad. Uh, Brock Purdy's back at uh, quarterback. He's currently first in the Big 12, at least as far as I go. Shane Illingworth technically is first by total yards per game, but he's only played and started in one contest. Brock Purdy is, for all intents and purposes, your top uh, performer in terms of total yards per game at 254.6. Uh, Brees Hall, fifth in the Big 12 in all-purpose yards at 133.6 per game. You've got pretty dynamic weapons in Charlie Kohler, and Chase Allen at tight end. They've already combined for 26 catches and 350 yards between the two of them. And low key, one thing Iowa State, you don't really hear as much about with them. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson currently leads the Big 12 in receptions per game at just over six, 6.2. He's second in the conference in total catches and fifth in receiving yards per game. We don't really talk a lot about Iowa State's wide receivers, but they do have a lot of weapons that are going to stretch you Uh, as far as K-State's defense is concerned. And and I guess in in that regard, what what is the biggest thing that puts the fear of God into you if you're Kansas State's defense looking at this Iowa State's offense? Uh, The tight end going up the seam and just being so much bigger than all of our defenders. You know, that's something that K-State traditionally struggles with is when you got a big athletic tight end. We don't tend to ever have anyone who can stop them. So for me, it's kind of the running game. You know, that's going to set the tone, whether we can stop the run game. Uh, looking at this, just the type of offense they're running, I want to convince myself that it's going to favor our defense a little bit because it kind of reminds me of that Stanford offense and maybe the the Nevada offense where they got a good quarterback, but he's not a dual threat guy. You know, Stanford had bigger but maybe not fast receivers. Same thing with Nevada. They had some big guys, but they weren't super fast. So maybe our defense feels that they can press a little bit more without being worried about getting getting beat deep. Uh, I feel like that was kind of the game plan against those types of offenses that are similar to this Iowa State offense. And then, you know, kind of the opposite happened against Oklahoma State and, and Oklahoma, where we were more success, susceptible to getting beat by speed and, frankly, I think we knew that going into it and we played off probably more than we should have in those games. So hopefully, hopefully it favors, it's kind of similar matchup to those, our non-conference games. I think Stanford is the, is the comparison I would have made too, just based on offensive style. The difference being when we played Stanford, they didn't really have their quarterback situation figured out yet. Um, You know, we were worried about their running backs and pretty well contained them, but we also knew that they didn't have much of a presence in the passing game that day. Whereas, you know, Purdy is a veteran guy. I know he he has been prone to committing some turnovers here or there, but like we we can't just obviously zero in on Brees Hall, which we're going to have to pay a lot of attention to. But uh, because, as you just mentioned, you know, like they, they have a couple of perfectly capable tight ends 
who will like we, we could get beat deep easy if we if we focus too much on Hall. So like I think just the diversity of their offense is it's definitely enough to make me nervous. The good news for Kansas State, uh, as far as injuries go, it sounds like everybody is expected to be back. Daniel Niederbebe was nicked up. Uh, Stubblefield, same thing. TJ Smith, a lot of guys have been nursing injuries and whatnot. The only one who sounded, at least for the moment, that was doubtful was Bronson Massey. Chris Kleiman mentioned that he would be doubtful for this Saturday. But in the same breath, said the same exact thing about Skyler, and Skyler gave it a go against Oklahoma, and we saw what happened there. So, Take it with a grain of salt, but uh, this Iowa State offense does pose a lot of different threats to this K-State defense. And I'll ask you guys, the the big question we heard about last week is, is this defense going to perhaps revert back to a different alignment that what we saw last year, the 4-2-5 look or potentially a 4-3, depending on, you know, I'm sure personnel packages that Iowa State's rolling out there. Do, do you expect to see more four down linemen this week, or do we feel like K State's going to continue to roll with that three three five base? I think they keep doing what they're doing, and you know, even if they think that maybe the the scheme is not working as they plan, I don't think they can really change it mid season. I think really they just need to start, you know, do better at tackling and and just being where they're supposed to be on their assignments. If we weren't completely torn up at the end like we are right now, you know, they might be more prone to to have the four down linemen. But the fact that we're already really banged up at that position, I think, yeah, you, you almost kind of have to roll with what you've been doing. And like Alex said, just, you know, clean it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, just have to find some way to get a pass rush. I mean, if you give Brock Purdy or any quarterback all day, then they're going to tear you apart. I think I say that every week, but that's that's all I'm focused on is trying to get some kind of creative blitz going because we don't seem to be able to get there with our three down linemen like we were the first couple of weeks. Now, Brock Purdy, he's hitting on 71% of his throws this year, so he is absolutely capable of, of ripping, your, uh, ripping up your defense. And again, he's got a lot of weapons to throw it to, both in the, working the middle of the field with those tight ends, working outside on the boundary, uh, and also, I touched on it as well. Brees Hall, a very viable threat coming out of the backfield. Uh, just a lot of things to, I'm sure that Klanderman hopefully has been working on and scheming up for uh, as we get set to head into this matchup now. On the flip side of the coin for Kansas State, offensively, we saw Skyler have the big game, set a number of career highs uh, with the number of completions, yards, tied for a career high with touchdowns uh, in that effort that he put out against Oklahoma. Iowa State defensively, uh, and again, this is where I think we're, we're still dealing with the, uh, a team that we don't really have a, a great picture of and a, a really comprehensive understanding of. But here are the numbers so far for this Iowa State defense. Currently tops in the Big 12 in points per game, giving up just 15.6 Total defense only yielding 234.2 yards per game. Pass defense only surrendering 144 yards per game. And rushing yards per attempt only giving up 2.6 yards per carry is Iowa State. Now, are those numbers inflated? That's the more pertinent question here. And to address that, I'll let our listening base make their own deductions here. But here's the opposition thus far. Kansas 
ranks 115th nationally in total offense. UNLV 126th. Iowa, big bad Iowa, 120th, which they're really weird to look at when you look. They're still scoring like 30. They're scoring like 32 points per game, but they're only averaging 317 yards per game. Makes no damn sense. Baylor, far and away the most explosive team, quote unquote, that Iowa State has faced thus far, averaging uh, over 461 yards per game are the Bears. And then lastly, you and I, again, a step down. We're talking about FCS, but you and I, middle of the pack, they're 73rd in total offense. So clones really haven't faced many formidable attacks yet. That being said, I, I, I have to feel... And I don't know how you guys are feeling about this, but I I feel a little bit more confident knowing, one, that this is going to be, again, the most daunting test for Iowa State to date, coming on the road, playing at night in a hostile crowd. Again, say what you will, they had to go on the road and play against Baylor and Waco in the middle of the afternoon. I'm sure, you know, half-empty McLean Stadium. That's one thing. This is going to be a different atmosphere. And I, I got the email earlier this week that limited seating is available. So take that for what it what what it's worth. But um, K-State fully expecting a big crowd to be on hand for this one. So I'm feeling good about that. And I'm also feeling like this offense, giving Skyler an extra week to get healthy is going to bode well, uh, as we would assume for them. But the other thing, the underlying thing about in all this is the motivation from last year. How how big of a factor was the 45 to nothing blowout in your guys' minds? How big of a factor is that as we head into this week for Kansas State? Well, it should be huge. That was a extremely embarrassing game. I mean, if K-State wants to be taken seriously, then they need to start beating Iowa State. I mean, they're, they're not someone who we can allow to overtake us as a conference member. Yeah, I know that was uh, yeah, we were we were really a shell of ourselves that entire game. I don't know if you guys know this. I actually took a few snaps at free safety in that game, um, <laughs> but no, it's really though it. That's why we were getting burnt so much over the top, man. My God, <laughs> it was if more for these damn knees, man. I'm telling you, no. Um, if we, you don't forget forty-five nothing, I mean it. You know, that's that's embarrassing every which way. No matter how you slice it, you can only. You can only make so many excuses. You still did not manage to score a single point in that game. So, yeah, I mean, that should be all the motivation in the world for sure. So motivation for last year combined with just being on kind of, I would say, uh, you know, we're at a crossroads of this season. You know, you lose this game and the season might just be, you know, shot to hell going downhill. Like this is the game you need to turn the season around. And you have that motivation from last year. So if they can't get up and play for this game and, you know, we're talking about their defense, you know, I think I think they probably have a pretty solid defense, but it's not a defense that's if you go out and you play and you execute, you should be able to move the ball. So. It's really up to up to the up to the offense if they want to move the ball and score some points. And Alex, you did bring up a, a point that I and I, I'm very interested to hear what the group has to say about this. You talked about the K-State feeling like the season, you know, if you drop this one, all of a sudden, 0-3 in conference play. You start to hear the grumbles about no Big 12 wins going back to last year against KU. In the same breath, like I said, I, I do feel like I have to mention that Iowa, Iowa State, this was a team that was thought of in very high regard, not just 
and regional circles here for for Big 12 media outlets, but also nationally. Like this was the media darling. This was the team that was going to break through and, and get into the playoff this year as a big time dark horse. With all that being said, w- with this being what I'm what I'm classifying as an anxiety bowl, which squad do you guys feel is going to be feeling the pressure this Saturday? I would assume that Iowa State's pretty confident coming in, having won so huge last year. Uh, I would say it's K-State. The players remember what happened last year. You know, they are probably feeling the pressure to kind of avenge that and to keep this season going in the right direction. I think just from a national perspective, you know, there's probably more heat on Iowa State. You know, they were preseason top 10. You know, that for whatever reason, everybody thought this was going to be the year that they turned the corner. And we're both coming in. Someone's going to leave at an even 500 halfway through the season. So, I mean, I would have to think there's plenty of pressure on them. Clint, to your point, though, I almost hope that, you know, what happened last year maybe helps us kind of catch them sleeping a little bit. Not saying I'm banking on it at all, but yeah, I would have to imagine they're feeling the heat, at least from a national perspective, more than K-State is. So to me, I think there's two different types of pressures going on here. You know, Iowa State had probably their best year ever last year, and they were supposed to be better this year. That's not quite happening. But at at the same time, even if they lose this game, I don't think their fans are, like, freaking out or panicking about their coach and their program. I still think they would take where their program is right now. They would take it no matter what compared to their last 30 or 40 years of history. I think the pressure on K-State side is more of just – with like I mentioned that shadow from last year, I know we there's all there, there's all sorts of caveats and reasons and excuses for last year being the shit show that it was and everything, but not seeing any sort of I guess consistency or development from that, you get into pressure of you know is this is this program on the right trajectory? Is it does it have the right leadership? That sort of thing starts to come into question. And I think to that point, this is a must win. Does anybody disagree on that front for Can- from the Kansas State perspective, I should say? No, 100%. <laughs> I was going to say later when we do our, our scores that I'm picking K-State to win just because I feel like we have to win. Like this team, if we lose this game, I'm not so sure how many more wins we're going to get the rest of the year. So if we don't win, I don't know what I I think I said if we win, but... You know. Yeah, I mean, if we don't win this, I can't see us winning any more than seven games on the season, and that's just not the standard that we set in the preseason to what would make us happy. I know it's a really stupid thing to say because it's so obvious, but really, four and two is going to feel so much better than three and three. Yes, you, yeah. even even though you're still going to be coming out of this, if you're Kansas State, you're going to be coming out at one and two in league play. But we talk about so often how the schedule just softens up so significantly for Kansas State in that you're going to go on the road to face Texas Tech the next week. And Texas Tech just gave up 400 yards rushing against TCU and just got ripped on their home field. Then you got KU after that. You just you've got games where this can really snowball favorably for Kansas State if they find a way to get it done. And I think that kind of leads me into what I wanted to ask you guys as far as imperatives for this uh, coming Saturday. Uh, Give me one thing that the offense needs to do for Kansas State to get a win. 
the receivers need to find a way to get away from the defenders and make it not so crazy difficult on the quarterback. If uh, Skyler could replicate what he did against Oklahoma, you know, like really, you know, maintain the pocket. You know, I know he, we talked about it off air. He, you know, he said he's feeling a little bit more comfortable running the ball, but you know, he, I would hate to see him get away from what made him really good last week. You know, if he can actually stay in the pocket, go through his progressions, um, you know, that I think that could be, that could be huge, especially if we're able to get the running game going outside of Skyler. So yeah, that, that would be kind of the X factor for me. I'm going to say there's many things I want to say, but the main thing I'm I'm going to say for the offense is just don't turn the ball over. <laughs> no, no elaboration needed. And can, candidly, I, I totally get it. I agree with everybody. And Clint, you make a very valid point too. And receivers, while it was nice to see Skyler show out the way that he did, you know, of those 29 completions, 10 of those were to do spawn. And we, Malik Knowles didn't really have the big kind of game against Oklahoma, you know, which in hindsight, we see what Texas does to OU secondary the week after. And it's like, man, how, how was, how did Malik not break out and just torch these guys? Now, again, they, they could have been defending him differently, but uh, Oklahoma's defense was pretty much a, a, <laughs> a giant chasm against UT, but neither here nor there. Um, all very valid suggestions. I'll flip the, to the other side of the ball here. Defensively, what's the one thing, I, and probably what we need to, I said, what's one thing the offense needs to do? What's one thing the defense needs to approve and uh, improve upon this week for the Wildcats to have a chance to win? If, Wrap up. If you get a guy in your grasp, bring <laughs> him down. Tackle. Yep. Yep. Yeah, big grease <laughs> hall coming through. That's not someone you can afford to just uh... – do a little arm tackle with. He's going to run right through those. Guys need to keep their head up, wrap up, fly to the ball, group tackle, do everything they were doing the first couple weeks that they felt confident throwing up that mob sign. Yeah, I would love nothing more than to see K-State shut down Brees Hall. And it's it's. I know we don't spend a lot of time talking about recruiting on this show, and that's for good reason. I know that, you know, whatever site you happen to subscribe to, whether it's Rivals or whatever, those guys, that's their job is to cover recruiting and whatnot. But I will say, having been a subscriber to a specific site for a couple of years now, it sucks seeing Iowa State beat us out for so many kids and also Kansas kids like Brees Hall. You just mentioned he's a Wichita Northwest kid. Uh, that guy's going to be playing on Sundays, man. And, and he was in our own backyard and we could not get him to Manhattan. So this, this game, the magnitude of this game is so critical. And I think Kleiman, we talked about, this is a must win for so many different reasons. And I think obviously starting to regain some ground in recruiting is, is one of those, you know, not just, getting things right as far as the season goes and still giving your guys a chance to to hit that that ceiling that they set for themselves, be it a nine-win season, a 10-win season, whatever they wanted and felt like they could achieve to, to still have that carrot out there. This is a huge game in, excuse me, in so many different ways for Kansas State. And I know we've spent quite a bit of time talking about 
all the odds and ends here. I think it's time to to shift into our our predictions, and this is where the point in the time in the show where we'll talk about our Marvin Show Me More Simmons pick for the week, our Ben Stone Pounder Newman pick for the week, and also our score prediction uh, predictions. Let's go ahead and start it off with the Marvin Simmons uh, distinction here. And uh, Clint, why don't you go ahead and kick us off, and then we'll go Alex and then Nutter. I'm going with Daniel Green after a phenomenal start to the season where people were comparing him to Arthur Brown. He's kind of fallen off a little bit. You know, he had the uh, couple targeting ejections. I thought he was playing all right at Oklahoma State before the ejection. Uh, then Oklahoma, he just he looked lost, to be completely honest. Um, he's someone that's going to need to have a huge game if we hope to stop Brees Hall and the entire Iowa State offense. So one thing go- worth noting before we before we move on on that is did we I believe we dug it up last week that a third targeting call could actually subject Daniel Green to a one game suspension. I don't know that we ever actually talked about that or if that's something that would actually be brought to the table, you know, I would assume that, that like malice would need to be taken into consideration and everything, but it is worth keeping in mind that like by the rule book, if he's, if he's tossed for it again, he could miss the whole next game regardless. So going with your theme of Daniel green, I just wrote down linebackers for the entire group of linebackers. Um, Cody Fletcher, Nick Allen, just, no one, no one really looked good against Oklahoma. Um, even when you got uh, Hennington, kind of in that more of that hybrid linebacker role with a, a power offense, which I'm sure we're going to see that against Iowa State. Uh, Hennington and Wayne Jones just they just be where you're supposed to be. Read the play, go make a tackle. Uh, just so many, so many of the times you'd see the the replay, and you're just they're they don't even, you know, they're 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 late to react on the play. They're getting eaten up by blocks. They're not getting around any blocks. They're missing tackles. So that definitely has to get cleaned up for sure. Which some uh, of that also on the defensive line as well, but that's extra credit right there. So I'm going to go to the back end of the defense, and I'm going to say uh, Russ Yeast. He has had a rough couple of weeks. We talked earlier about defense needing to wrap up couple of plays stuck out to me. There were screen passes against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State where he had it pretty well snuffed out, hit the guy at the line, bounced right off of him, and the play went for a big gain. You know, that's the kind of stuff we've got to get out of our system, um, especially, you know, against, you know, a, a downhill running team like we're going to face this week. So, yeah, that that's it's rush east for me. And the uh, the theme here is defense, and I will continue said theme. And I'm going with uh, K-State's defensive coordinator, uh, the Clandy Man. We we need to see something exotic this week. And I, I, I know I always come back to using that word, but K-State fans, one, are just going to have to realize that you have who you have as far as personnel goes. Nick Allen is not all of a sudden going to – be able to cover sideline to sideline like an NFL linebacker. You know, the same thing's going to be said for for Fletcher and Ryan Hennington, whoever K-State has in there. But to that end, if you're worth your salt as a DC, you've got to come up with something that's going to confuse Brock Purdy. And whether that is throwing a different look at 
the Iowa State offense as far as your your defensive fronts go, whether that's bringing more blitz packages, you have to find a way to to disrupt things, not just in the passing game, but just all around. Uh, K State that that was a big reason why K State's defense, you know, they were throwing up the mob sign early on in the season, and and, and with good reason because they were truly creating havoc. They had 37 havoc plays in the first three games of the season. You take the first two big 12 games of the season into the equation. K-State only has 12 havoc plays, only one turnover. They, they one, we need to see this defense do something again to, to get the ball back. I feel like K-State's going to need to force a handful of turnovers in this game to have a shot to win this one. And Brock Purdy, I, I know Nutter, you touched on it. He's prone to doing that. He's prone to having those spells where he just makes poor reads, where he makes bad decisions when, when he's running the football, whatever the case is. You got to do something to make life difficult on him in this Iowa State offense. So Klanderman's my pick this week to show me more. Let's go to our stone pounder. This, again, is the player that we expect to leave an indelible mark on the game and its outcome. And uh, let's go ahead and start off with you, Netter. Um, yeah, I went with Felix Enudike Uzoma. He um, obviously leads the Big 12 in sacks, has looked phenomenal all year, but his supporting cast is pretty depleted right now. I know they've got uh, a new face on the two-deep two in Cartez, Cartez Crooks-Jones. Um, so I think he, he's really going to have to bring it because I think they're going to be able to uh, they're going to be able to key in on him a little more. So, yeah, hoping he can still keep the ball rolling here. Alex? I'm going to shout out an offensive lineman, Cooper BB. Um, I think we need to definitely protect Skyler, but also get a little bit of our running game back going like it was in the in the non-conference. And, you know, I think it's pretty, pretty well established that Cooper BB is our best offensive lineman. And my prediction is he goes out there and opens up some holes and pancakes some guys and and keeps uh, Skyler's blind side clean. Man, BB looks so good out there. I I did not think he was going to be a great left tackle, but he looks damn good. I can't wait to get his younger brother in with the team. <laughs> the the concern they're like we really need him in his natural position of of guard and it's just like well, <laughs> not if he's going to be this good at tackle, like even if that's not his best position. That's right. Best left tackle on the roster, so Sure. Yeah, I'm going with uh, Daniel Amaterbebe coming back from his injury. You know, before the season, we all heard he's going to bring this. Uh... <laughs> what are you pointing at, Alex? I was just saying your your font is so small, I can't read it. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. Before the season, we all heard that he was going to be a difference maker this year. Uh, he was described as a more athletic version of Briley Moore. And he's flashed a couple times, uh, but he's, you know, like we kind of thought he might be with his history. He's been injured, but now that he's healthy, I look for him to uh, do what he needs to do to bring this offense to the next level. Open up the middle of the field, make some amazing plays that he's capable of doing. And I'm going to take the – oh, go ahead. Underrated part of that is he's a pretty decent blocker. And I feel like since he's been out, we have struggled a little bit on blocking on the edge there with uh, 
Sammy Wheeler isn't quite as the the blocker that he's been. So. And I'm going to go with the the guy who's going to be throwing Daniel Amaterbebe the ball, Skylar Thompson. Uh, I think if Kansas State does find a way to win this game, it, it's going to be because of his his veteran presence, because he was willing to stand in the pocket, deliver some some late throws, and, and we saw him do that countless times against Oklahoma. He has to be able to to replicate that effort, to show and demonstrate that kind of patience against another very solid defense in Iowa State. I, I know this is always that that's such an easy one to throw out there, but I feel like he's if K-State, as I said, does manage to win this game, that he's going to be the one who really does lead the Wildcats over the top and helps get them over the hump to to a victory here. So Scour Thompson is my prediction there as far as the stone pounder goes. And with all that said, guys, let's get into the uh, the fun part here. Score predictions. Who's going to win this Saturday? And go ahead and give me the score. We'll start off with you, Alex. So I think to win this game, the offense needs to uh, get a little bit of the running game going back, but also just, you know, get some completions, get some playmakers the ball in space. You know, we don't have to throw it downfield all day long. Skyler's pretty good in that. He's pretty elite in that uh, the, the the intermediate passing uh, range. Get deuce the ball out in space. I think the offense is going to need to go on some long drives and keep the ball away from Iowa State's offense. Um, I think we're going to have to stay aggressive and convert those fourth downs that we were so willing to 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 attempt against Oklahoma. I hope we don't we uh, kind of revert away from that. Uh, just to help the defense out. Um, I think we're going to have to score 30 points. The defense definitely needs to step up and get a couple of turnovers, probably. Um, I'm going to pick us to go to to get a win 30 to 21. And I'm only doing that because I don't really want to think about what's what the rest of the season is going to be like if we don't win this game. So, Nutter? Yeah, um, Alex kind of alluded to it. This seems like a game where a well-timed turnover could really make all the difference in the world. Um, I like it at night. I like it at home. I got K-State 27-24. All right, the positivity just emanating from everyone here, and let's go and wrap it up with our guy Clint. What you got, man? I have it K-State 28, Iowa State 27, and I feel the least good about this one of any game that I, we've had this year. But, you know, I'm always going to pick K-State to win. So, there you go. Well, I am going to be the one, and I hate doing this, but I'm going to be the one to rain on the parade here. I, I, I only do this. This has nothing to do with, you know, what's colloquially, colloquially known as Brocktober and all that crap. It's it this Iowa State team veteran group they've been here before they have won in tight spots and they they have really shown and now I, while i said i don't buy into the brocktober hype they have been rock solid in the month of october really since he took over as starting qb a couple of years back my prediction here is Iowa State 26, K-State 20 i do feel like this is a competitive game throughout i think the defense shows 
that it's much more competent than what we've seen the previous couple of weeks. This Iowa State team does have weapons that will test you, but they're they're not going to run breakneck speed like Oklahoma. You're not, uh, and I don't feel like K State's going to get overwhelmed the same way that they did against Oklahoma State either. I do feel like the Wildcats will be in this one and have every opportunity to win it. But right now, my lean is just with Iowa State coming and eking out a six-point win. I have clones 26-20, to 20, and I certainly hope that I am wrong. Um, if Iowa State does manage to win in Manhattan, it will be the first time in their last seven trips down to MHK. Uh, the last time Iowa State won here, and we all par- apparently have memories of this game <laughs> eerily <laughs> enough. Uh, it was in 2004. Uh, Brett Meyer was quarterbacking Iowa State. You got Todd Blythe, Stevie Hicks. This was uh, the year that Darren. This was Darren Sproul's senior year. This was his final game wearing the the purple and white. It was so tough to watch. I know I took this one in, and I and I hated seeing it unfold. I, I remember. Alex, I know you brought it up. That was really the first time we saw just kind of a, an apathetic and indifferent environment in Bills. At that time, what was still KSU Stadium, um, the life just got sucked out of the place. K State was leading twenty-three to nine mid uh, early in the fourth quarter. Looked like they were well on their way to to picking up a win and, and finishing the season five and six, but Iowa State reeled off twenty eight unanswered to close that game, and they walked out of Manhattan with a thirty seven to twenty three win. Of course, that again all the way back in two thousand and four, the guys that are on the rosters now for both respective teams were you know three and four years old at that time. So I'm not going to put too much stock into this. I do feel like K State playing in Manhattan this coming Saturday will give the Wildcats a a, a significant advantage and I, I certainly hope that the crowd does play a role in this uh, and get and can help propel k-state over the top uh, the last time that these two teams met in manhattan of course was back in 2019 game k-state won 27 to 17 uh not a lot to to really write home about in this one other than the fact that k-state just ran all over iowa state in that contest they cats racked up 231 yards on the ground jacardier wright had a big coming out party in that game for k-state had 60 yards on just six carries scored his first touchdown as a wildcat who knows maybe Kleiman and company have something cooked up for him this saturday we'll we'll see what's what on that front but again if you're if with this being the must win game that it is, you have to feel good about where it's being played, the environment in which it will be played. I, I think there's a lot of things working in K-State's advantage as far as the intangibles go in this game. So we'll see what what comes of it this coming Saturday. Again, 6.30 is your kickoff in Manhattan. This game under the lights at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. And uh, one final kind of call to arms to our fans. You know, if you guys are going to bitch about kickoff times in the morning and being on whatever network and whatnot. I got to say this, this game is going to be sunny 68 during your peak tailgate hours. There's not going to be any wind. It's perfect conditions. It's perfect fall football weather. Get out to the stadium, support our guys. They need this. (laughs) And we, we all need this. We need this game. And I still do feel like there's quite a bit out ahead of this K-State team. And I think this is one of those things you, you just, you got to get that first Big 12 win. You have to you have to quell all of the talking points about the K 
consecutive conference losing streak and all the other things that all the outside noise, you have to find a way to silence that. You just got to find a way to get that first win. So I'm going to stop uh, waxing poetic on everything, guys. Uh, any parting thoughts as we get set to uh, to move into uh, the Big 12 slate for this upcoming week? Uh, I just want to shout out my buddy, Marty Wallace. He's the reason I won't be at the game this week, be at his engagement party. He's one of our listeners. So, uh, you know, Damn it, you Marty. Suck, Marty. That's why I'm uh, missing it. So it better be fun time here. I think you go see the baby, but now I guess you're going to hang out with Marty. That's whatever. <laughs> Tell him I said, hey. I would also like to shout out one of our listeners, or maybe not listeners, I don't know, uh, 33KSU on Twitter for making the same dumbass Iowa State alternate uniform joke that I've been making for the last two months. So I'm glad someone shares my stupid sense of humor. Yeah, when both squads roll out with purple, it's going to be wild next Saturday. That's for that's for sure. They're nutter. <laughs> uh, again, like I said, 6.30 kick at Bill Snyder Family Stadium is going to be a beautiful picturesque Saturday. Get your asses to Manhattan to take this one in, and hopefully we'll all get a chance to celebrate a Wildcat victory. Uh, quick look at your Big 12 slate. Uh, going to be a good one. Uh, first thing in the morning, bright and early, big noon kickoff on Fox proper, 12th-ranked Oklahoma State, taking on the 25th-ranked Texas Longhorns. Texas is a five-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. Uh, a wonky one in Waco. Baptists and Mormons getting together. I'm sure nothing's going to go wrong there. Uh, 19th-ranked BYU and uh, Baylor squaring off at 2.30 on ESPN. Baylor uh, favored by six-and-a-half in that contest. Uh, and then one that I think everybody's going to want to look away from. And it's on ESPN Plus, so you're probably not even going to have to worry about that. Uh, Texas Tech, 4-2 and two on the season, uh, going to Lawrence to take on Lance Leipold's squad. The Jayhawks again, 1-4, and four, hoping to avoid 1-5 and five and 0-3 oh and in Big 12 play. That's a 3 o'clock kick. Texas Tech land 16-and-a-half in that game. And then your nightcap in the Big 12, Oklahoma at home playing host to TCU, course the changing of the guard spencer rattler preseason heisman favorite all of a sudden relegated to the bench caleb williams with the big game against texas uh, probably going to be entrenched as your starter now moving forward so oklahoma getting set to take on gary patterson squad 630 kick on abc oklahoma laying 13 and a half in that game so that's your look at the big 12 slate for week number six and lastly, Clint, I felt so bad about it, man. I realized that as soon as I hit stop the last time, I didn't give you a chance to do a fantasy recap for the previous week. So go ahead, let the folks know what happened way back when, <laughs> when K-State played Oklahoma, which seems like eons ago. Go ahead and uh, recap those for us, and uh, let's take a look ahead at what we got coming up this week. Well, no worries, Jeff. It was kind of a stinker of a week. We had uh, two dominant teams and two... Uh, Less than dominant teams. Jeff, you went up against Alex. I think your point total, 69.6, is a new uh, nice. single-game record. Alex, I guess, thought Will Howard was going to start. He kept Skylar Thomas on the bench. <laughs> Sorry, that's Skylar Thompson. <laughs> in the, the league I've been in for years, and you know I often forget to change my lineup. <laughs> Well, Justin had all his starters in, and he didn't fare much better against me. I had 64.7 points. Justin ended up with 29 points. 
see I think there was a few free agent pickups this week see if these guys can do a little bit better against each other I will say even if I had Skyler in there I'm pretty sure I, I still would have lost pretty handily so yep you know it's not about Spread. the wins it's about the friends we make along the way <laughs> Exactly. Kick the shit out of you last Saturday. No. Yeah, I feel like punching uh, myself in the face after saying that. <laughs> with the friends lose along the way, maybe. Yeah, I'm very excited to see what Nick Allen can do for me at linebacker there. Although uh, I will say Wayne Jones is another guy I got on my roster, and uh, Kleiman did heap some praise on him at the midweek presser. So. Maybe Wayne Jones gets a couple more snaps at linebacker. Again, K-State needs any and all help and assistance it can get in that department. We've talked about some of the uh, concerns there. And, uh, Clint, who were the other pickups that we had? Uh, let's see. Alex picked up who, – who did you pick up, Alex? I picked up uh, Landry Weber and Cartez Crooks-Jones. So I'm going to thank uh, – I want to thank Justin for bailing on Landry before he started turning into an actual receiving threat for us. So thanks a lot. Got you, buddy. <laughs> and then Justin finally dropped Jackson Neen after all this time of did did he ever does he have a carry? I think he has a carry, maybe he one. He had catch a catch two. or two, but I never actually started him. Yeah. Picked up uh, Keenan Garber, who Alex just let go to make room for Landry Weber. In Alex's defense, I probably have the more egregious roster move in that I held on to Khalid Duke for several weeks after it was determined that he was not going to be coming back this season. So, Nutter, you're you're in good company there, my friend. Oh, I do fully expect them to go to Jax at the goal line or something this week. Now that's fine. <laughs> three touchdowns, yes, I'm sure. It, <laughs> it's all in the – if Jax Deneen gets three touchdowns, I think we're all pretty uh, – at about 9 o'clock or uh, probably about 9.30. Uh, this coming Saturday, for sure. So, big week on tap. Again, pivotal game for Kansas State. Hoping that we see a, a great environment, again, at Bill Snyder Family Stadium and hoping that the Wildcats can run that winning streak over the Clones in Manhattan to eight straight games. And, again, 6.30 kickoff at Bill Snyder Family Stadium for that one. I think it's time to go ahead and wrap this one up. We'll go ahead and put a bow on it. One uh, final thing I will say, shameless plug. If you, had been, if you haven't had a chance to already, go ahead and listen to our midweek opponent preview. I had a chance to sit down with uh, Rob Gray, senior writer for Cyclone Fanatic. He has some great uh, words of wisdom about Iowa State, kind of the trajectory things are on for the program, how they're feeling about the season despite the sluggish start. So some great insight on the Wildcats' upcoming opponent, a peek behind enemy lines there. So if you want to check that out, that one's also showing up in your feed. And uh, as I said, do podcast things for us. If you haven't had a chance to already, subscribe to it on whatever your preferred platform is. Give us a rating and a review if you haven't had a chance to already. And follow us on college underscore Kimball. Guys, it has been fun. Again, hopefully uh, this time next week we're talking about a Wildcat victory and uh, hoping that things are turning around for Kansas State this season. Lots of good things still on the horizon for this squad. So with all that said, it's been our pleasure. Go ahead and wrap it up the way we always do. Cats, man. If you know, you know.